You're listening to a sermon preached at Redeeming Life Church. Well, good morning, church. Uh, My name is Josiah, and I serve as the associate pastor here. I'd like to invite you to open your Bibles to the book of Acts. It's a joy to open God's Word with you this morning. We're going to be rounding out and finishing out Acts chapter 15 today. Uh, If you're using one of the red church Bibles near around you, we're going to be on page 982, page 982 in those red Bibles. Then all the verses are in the YouVersion Bible app as well. If you're using YouVersion, you can just click on More and Events, find our church, and all the verses will be in there. We're going to start in Acts 15, starting in verse 36, picking up where Pastor Brian left off last week. Luke is writing, and he says, After some time had passed, Paul said to Barnabas, Let's go back and visit the brothers and sisters in every town where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Barnabas wanted to take along John, who was called Mark. But Paul insisted that they should not take along this man who had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not gone on with, the, with them to the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company, and Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed off to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed after being commended by the brothers and the sisters to the grace of the Lord. He traveled to Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. This is the word of the Lord. Will you bow your heads with me as we pray this morning? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that we have this opportunity today. Lord, to open your word, to hear from you this morning, and examine scripture together today. Lord, I I pray that you would open our minds and ears to hear your voice. Lord, that we might leave here changed this morning, not because of anything I've said, but because of everything that you've already said through your word. Lord, I I pray that your Holy Spirit would just reveal to us the message that you have for us today. And we leave here changed through the power of the gospel. It's in your holy and precious name, Lord, we pray. Amen. You know, I'll never forget the day that my friend called me up and invited me to go to lunch. After not seeing each other for over a decade, or really even talking each other to each other much over those last 10 years, I remember I was really looking forward to the opportunity to catch up with him. I remember we went to a salad bar place because we were both in our early 30s and we were foolishly attempting to chase down the bodies of our youth <laughs> that was so quickly evading us. At this point in my life, I've resigned myself to this is the body that pizza builds, and it just is what it is. But back then, I was young and naive. I'll never forget the lunch we shared, because when I left, I was convinced I'd never really talk to him again. I remember he was so excited to meet with me, because after having to move away when we were in junior high school, he was eager to tell me that God was calling him back to Utah, to plant a church, and he had hoped that I would be an integral part of helping make that church happen. Sadly for my friend, the conversation did not go the way that he had expected. We had such a sharp disagreement that my friend will tell you when we parted ways, he was quite hurt and deflated. I was reminded of that lunch when I read of the sharp disagreement today that we see between Paul and Barnabas. Apparently, my friend and I were not the first ones to have a ministry dispute, and after hearing Pastor Brian, I I know that we probably won't be the last ones to have a ministry dispute. 
So let's unpack God's word together this morning and examine this dispute or this fight between Paul and Barnabas a little closer. I believe that as we study God's word this morning, we're going to find that the Holy Spirit was still at work in the lives of both these men, despite their differences. Let's look at Acts 15 again. Let's look at that first verse, verse 36. It says, After some time had passed, Paul said to Barnabas, Let's go back and visit the brothers and sisters in every town where we have preached the word of the Lord. Let's see how they're doing. Paul and Barnabas are back in Antioch. They've been encouraged and invigorated by the outcome of their visit to the Jerusalem Council. If you were with us last week or you listened to Pastor Brian's message, then you'll remember that Paul and Barnabas went up to Jerusalem to visit with the elders and the apostles of the church to address a conflict that had arose concerning the Gentiles and circumcision. Thankfully, that visit went well, and everyone was able to come to a solid resolution, after which Paul and Barnabas returned to Antioch to, quote, continue teaching and proclaiming the word of the Lord. So time has passed now, and Paul and Barnabas are well-rested. They've been recharged, and they're ready to get back up and go back out into the mission field to share the gospel again. So Paul suggests to Barnabas that they go back out to the places they've already visited, where they've already shared the gospel, in order to encourage and strengthen the brothers and sisters who live in those towns. Now here's the deal. Outside of Paul's suggestion of where they should go, Luke really doesn't give us much more detail about their conversation. We don't have access to the actual transcript of the exchange between Paul and Barnabas. But you can probably imagine how that conversation might have went. We can clearly ascertain from our text that Barnabas was all about it. Because in the next few verses, we see the two of them really hammering out the details of their trip. Paul says, let's go. And Barnabas probably responds with something like, say less. Say less, Paul, let's do this. If you ask our next-gen kids what they think Barnabas' response would have been, they would have told you, bet. He would have said, bet. Which is slang for, I'm on board, let's do this, I'm all about it. Barnabas was on board. He loves the idea. Paul says, let's go. And Barnabas replies, say less. I'm ready. I've got the camels loaded up. They're parked outside. I've even got snacks packed. I hope you love trail mix. To which Paul might have responded, eh, actually, I have a little problem with peanuts, but, you know, we can sort that out later. I was hoping for beef jerky, but whatever. See, Paul's not really concerned about the road snacks. Paul and Barnabas have a bigger problem to solve. Missionary work is hard. You heard Pastor Brian say that planting a church is hard. They need some help. They need some other guys to come along with them, not only to split the costs of the Syrian Airbnbs, <laughs> but to help with the missionary work as well. So one of them, maybe Paul, suggests bringing a third guy along with them to help with the workload. And that's when things start to get a little heated between these two Christian brothers. I picture Barnabas saying something to the effect of, sweet, this is going to be awesome. Who are you thinking of bringing? Because I know just the guy we need to bring along. He's great. And so at this point, things start to get a little tense. Let's look back at our verses and look at verses 37 to 39 together. Barnabas wanted to take along John, who was called Mark. But Paul insisted that they should not take along this man, who had deserted them in Pamphylia and had gone on without them to do the work. 
they had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark with him, and he sailed off to Cyprus. Once again, you can kind of imagine how this conversation between Paul and Barnabas might have looked like. Even though we don't know exactly what was said, we can feel the tension that was in the room that day just by Luke's summary account. We might not know what the conversation actually was, but we can make some speculations based on what we do know. Obviously, Paul is upset with Mark. That fact is as clear as can be. For whatever reason, Mark apparently abandoned the work and deserted them in Pamphylia. Maybe he got homesick. Maybe he ate a bad convenience store hot dog that went sideways on him, and he had to go home. Maybe he was just young in the faith. And he simply wasn't ready for the intensity of that type of ministry. If you ever talk to a, a missionary or you talk to Pastor Brian about church planting, you'll know it's hard work. Whatever the case may be, there obviously was a situation where things did not end well. And Paul is still, for whatever reason, holding a chip on his shoulder or a grudge towards Mark over the whole deal. Barnabas, on the other hand, is of a different opinion. Something tells me that Barnabas is the type of guy who always sees the good in people. You know what I mean? And as a result, maybe he sees the situation that transpired in Pamphylia differently than Paul does. You probably know someone like that. Someone who always sees the good in everybody and never has anything bad to say about anyone ever. No matter what. I know a guy like that, and he drives me crazy. <laughs> he sees the silver lining in everything. The more we talk about Barnabas, that's exactly what I think he's like. After all, his name means son of encouragement. What else would you expect from someone named Barnabas? God bless the Barnabases. <laughs> or it could be that Barnabas feels obligated to help Mark out because he's family. Do you ever do things for family that you wouldn't do for anyone else? Barnabas and Mark are cousins, so maybe Barnabas felt like he had no choice but to bring Mark along. Maybe Barnabas feels like Mark has matured and he's grown in his spiritual walk, so he wants to give Mark a second chance. There's a good possibility that Mark has grown in the faith since the Pamphylian desertion. Maybe he is stronger and wiser now, and Barnabas has watched him grow and mature, so Barnabas wants to give him another shot, where Paul, on the other hand, is not ready to forgive Mark's previous abandonment of the team and their mission. Whatever the case may be, it's obvious there's a serious dispute between these two brothers concerning Mark. In our English Bibles, the Greek word that Luke uses here is translated as a sharp disagreement. This isn't just a small quarrel over the type of music they're going to listen to on their camel surround sound system. This was a huge argument. Things got heated between Paul and Barnabas. The Greek word here, if I pronounce it right, is paroxousmos. Paroxousmos. You all know I'm struggling with my Greek, but there it is. Paroxousmos. <laughs> which denotes a violent action or an emotion. These two guys are having more than a differing in opinion. Their dispute over John Mark becomes an intense and passionate conflict. So intense, in fact, that the two servants of Christ part ways because of it. Imagine if Pastor Brian and I got in a huge disagreement or, or an argument over the ministry and the direction of Redeeming Life Church. Imagine if we got into a gigantic dispute one night during our church council meetings. 
It was so intense that it resulted in one of us packing up their office, grabbing Robbie, and going to do ministry in a town somewhere else. It'd be intense, right? That'd be a problem. It'd be a situation. That's the intensity of the situation that we read about here in the conclusion of Acts 15. These two brothers get into such a major altercation concerning John Mark that the two part ways, and we never, never hear about Barnabas and his missionary work ever again throughout the book of Acts. Are you tracking with me here? I mean, this is a huge deal. I don't know about you, but more often than not, I find myself thanking God that he didn't deem me worthy to be a Bible character. <laughs> Hello? I'm thankful that I wasn't born in a different time or place, and thus, as a result, found myself written about in the Bible by Luke or Paul or even Moses. Because I can promise you with almost absolute certainty my life would have been utilized as the example of what not to do. Many of us probably have moments from our past that we wish we could go back and change, or memories or times that we wish we could forget. Praise God that our mistakes are not written about in the Bible. Praise God that our disputes with others are not recorded in Scripture. I feel bad for Paul and Barnabas. This fight between them has been recorded in history. It's been canonized in Holy Scripture, and it will now be remembered by all who read about it for the rest of time. I can hear Paul's voice right now saying, thanks a lot, Luke. Paul did so many amazing things for God. Why did Luke feel the need to write about this low point in Paul's life, where he and Barnabas have this ugly, nasty fight, after which they inevitably pass part ways and go their separate directions? I'd like us to stop for a moment and spend a few minutes really thinking about this event and determine why these verses are included here in Scripture. For one thing, I can tell you that Luke most likely includes this story because we never hear about Barnabas again. If you didn't know that these two guys had a massive fight and parted ways, you'd wonder what in the world happened to Barnabas. There'd be this weird missing link where one moment Paul and Barnabas are in Antioch, they're teaching and proclaiming the word of the Lord, and then the next, Barnabas has disappeared. So at the very least, this passage that we're reading today serves as a bridge passage between the last three chapters that we've read, where we see Paul and Barnabas serving on mission together, and the remainder of Acts where Luke follows Paul's missionary journey apart from Barnabas. That alone is enough to warrant Luke's decision to include this sharp disagreement between Paul and Barnabas in his letter to Theophilus. However, I think if we dig just a little bit deeper and really stop to think about these things, we're going to quickly discover that there is more to be gained in light of this event, not only for Luke's original audience, but for us here today. For instance, it's obvious that Paul and Barnabas took their ministry work seriously, if you're going to have a knockout, drag-out fight to this extent, then it's pretty obvious that they took their ministry work very seriously. Thus, we have to ask ourselves, what is this ministry work that Paul and Barnabas have been tasked with? Why was it so vitally important to them that they were willing to allow their argument to escalate to the point of a sharp disagreement that caused Barnabas to take Mark and leave Paul behind? What was this ministry work? 
The ministry work that Paul and Barnabas were engaged in was a ministry of reconciliation. Their ministry was a ministry of reconciliation, which is a little ironic when you think about it. But that's really what it was. If you read Paul's second letter to the Corinthian church, he talks specifically to this ministry of reconciliation. In 2 Corinthians 5, Paul explains how God is reconciling the world to himself through Christ Jesus. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians 5 now, and let's look at what Paul has to say about this ministry of reconciliation that the Lord has tasked him with. 2 Corinthians 5, we're going to start in verse 16. If you're using one of those red Bibles, we'll be on page 1025. It's just a little further from Acts. Paul says here in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 16, From now on, then, we do not know anyone from a worldly perspective. Even if we have known Christ from a worldly perspective, yet now we no longer know him in this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. Everything is from God who has reconciled us to himself, through Christ, and has given us this ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. Church, God is reconciling his people to himself. As people, we must be reconciled to God. God is calling us to be reconciled back to him. The ministry that Paul had been entrusted with and the ministry that we as Christians living today have been entrusted with is a ministry of reconciliation. As Christians, each and every one of us has also been tasked with this ministry of reconciliation. The mission assignment applies to all of us. Paul goes on to say in verse 20, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, since God is making his appeal through who? Through us. We plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. If you're sitting here today, or maybe you're listening to this message online, and you are not a Christian, then you are living your life as an enemy of God. If that's you this morning, then you're living your life as God's enemy. If that's you, hear my voice today. Be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God. On the flip side, if you're sitting here today or you're listening to this message and you are a Christian, you profess to be a believer and a follower of Christ, then I have a challenge for you as well today. Brothers and sisters, if there is a conflict or there is a rift between you and a fellow brother or sister in Christ, my charge for you this morning is this. Be reconciled to each other. Be reconciled to one another. Church, I would argue this morning that one of the biggest reasons that Luke included this conflict between Paul and Barnabas in the book of Acts is to serve as a reminder of the importance of resolving our differences between one another. Paul and Barnabas took their ministry seriously. They took their roles as missionaries and ambassadors of Christ seriously. 
Paul was not going to just bring anyone along with him to serve the bride of Christ. Paul took his work seriously, and he didn't want Mark messing things up or hindering their work. Barnabas also took his work as a missionary and ambassador of Christ seriously. Barnabas understood that it is our job as Christians to point others to Christ, to encourage one another, and to help each other. Barnabas understood that the Christian journey is not meant to be lived alone, and he knew that the Lord would never leave us or forsake us. Barnabas rightly understood that no one gets left behind or forgotten about in God's kingdom. And as a result, he grabbed his cousin, and he brought him along with him to disciple him and to help him in the ministry work as a missionary. Both these men took their work seriously. But at the end of the day, they let their personal opinions and convictions divide them and separate them from the work that God had called them to do. Thankfully, the sharp disagreement is not where our story ends. Barnabas leaves Paul in Antioch. He grabs John Mark, and the two of them set sail for Cyprus. But what happens to Paul? Does he stay in Antioch? Does he sit in the corner and sulk? Does he give up because his friend and missionary companion abandoned him? Absolutely not. Let's read again the final two verses of our text today and see what Paul does after Barnabas is gone. Chapter 15, verse 40, But Paul chose Silas and departed after being commended by the brothers and sisters to the grace of the Lord. He traveled to Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Barnabas takes Mark, and they go to Cyprus. Paul then takes Silas, and the two of them go through Syria and Cilicia. Both men continue in their missionary work separate from one another. The title of our sermon series right now is When the Gospel Goes. And today we've seen when the gospel goes despite Paul and Barnabas' differences. Paul and Barnabas had a major conflict that put an end to their ministry work together. And as a result, they could have thrown in the towel after that fight. They both could have determined that they were done with ministry. Paul could have said, this is it. Forget this. I'm going back to the stress-free life of tent making. But he didn't. Paul didn't give up, and neither did Barnabas. They both agreed to go their separate ways, and God was just as faithful to use both of them mightily separate from each other as he did when they were together. The gospel goes despite our issues. I'll never forget that time that my friend and I had the sharp disagreement on a weekday afternoon during lunch. I was angry. I was beyond frustrated. I believed 110% that the ministry work that God was calling me to do was the exact opposite of what my friend felt God wanted him to do. That day we parted ways, but that wasn't the end. Our ministry work continued despite our differences. The gospel has continued to be proclaimed through both of our lives, despite our disagreement that day. In fact, I visited with my friend just last month. It is amazing and encouraging to see and hear all the ways that God is using him in ministry. He serves as an associate pastor at a church in a different state, and God is doing incredible things in his church. Meanwhile, here I am at Redeeming Life. And God is doing amazing things through our faith family as I serve as a pastor at this church. 
Today, God is using both of us to share the gospel and proclaim his message of reconciliation. My friend is ministering in a way, in a place that I do not feel called to do. And I, too, am pastoring in a way that my friend would not agree with. But the key to all of this is despite our differing opinions and our convictions, God is still using both of us for his glory to advance the gospel and reconcile a people to himself. It took some time. It took some time, but my friend and I were able to resolve our differences and settle the conflict that we had with one another that day. From time to time, I'm reminded of that lunch that we shared. I'm reminded of the emotions that we both felt that day. My friend and I are both passionate about, passionate about the work that God has called us to do. Much like Paul and Barnabas, we're passionate about the work that God has called them to do. Thankfully, my friend and I were able to talk things out and work out our differences. I don't know if Paul and Barnabas ever had that opportunity. We don't know if Paul and Barnabas ever resolved things. I pray that they did. Like I said earlier, Luke doesn't mention Barnabas again in the book of Acts. We don't know if Paul and Barnabas ever worked things out. But we do know that Paul's opinion of Mark eventually changed. Chapter 15 ends with Paul and Silas heading out to do mission work on their own. However, next week we're going to watch as Paul meets a young man named Timothy who ultimately pastors a church in Ephesus. And while Timothy is pastoring in Ephesus, Paul writes him a couple letters, one of which most likely becomes one of the last things that Paul writes. Paul is coming to the end of his ministry. He's nearing the end of his life. He is in prison. He is dying. In his final instructions to Timothy, he mentions Mark. I'm going to read this to you. It's 2 Timothy chapter 4. I'm going to mess up these names. The only person I know who can say them right is Daniel, and he's doing the slides. So just bear with me. 2 Timothy 4.9, Paul says, Make every effort to come to me soon, because Demas has deserted me, since he loved this present world and has gone to Thessalonica. Cretans has gone to Galatia. Titus to Damasia. Only Luke is with me. Then look at this. Bring Mark with you, for he is useful to me in the ministry. I've sent Tychicus to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak I left in Troas with Carpus, as well as the scrolls, especially the parchments. Paul is in prison. Only Luke is with him. Paul is asking Timothy to come to him and to bring Mark with him, because according to Paul, Mark is useful for him in the ministry. Acts 15.36, Paul says, We are not taking Mark with us. He abandoned us in Philippia. And in 2 Timothy 4.11, he says, bring Mark with you. He's useful to me in the ministry. God advances the gospel despite our differences. Ministry work continues despite our personal problems. Look once more with me at our final verse in Acts. I want to conclude with this. Verse 40 and 41, Paul chose Silas and departed. After being commended by the brothers and sisters to the grace of the Lord, he traveled through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Paul took Silas, and they traveled through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. What churches? What churches? I've been following along with Pastor Brian ever since Barnabas and Paul were set apart 
by the church in Antioch in chapter 13. Not once have I seen them travel to Syria and Cilicia. Not once has Luke mentioned Paul and Barnabas stopping in those towns to preach the gospel. So my question for us this morning is, how did they get there? How could there be Christians there when Paul and Barnabas never went there? How did they get there? How were their churches there? Who preached the gospel there? What happened? We don't know. Obviously, someone heard the gospel somewhere. Obviously, someone went there. They preached the gospel and people were saved. They, they sent a letter to those people. Apparently, the Holy Spirit is alive and active, working in the lives and ministry of others just as much as he was in the lives of Paul and Barnabas. Folks, it's all about the gospel. It's all because of the gospel. It's by the power of the gospel that there were Christians there. The gospel goes. With or without us, the gospel goes. The Holy Spirit advanced the gospel through the ministry of Paul and Barnabas working together. The Holy Spirit advanced the gospel through Paul and Barnabas working apart. And the Holy Spirit advanced the gospel without the two of them entirely. Our series is entitled, When the Gospel Goes. Not if the gospel goes, or should the gospel go, when the gospel goes. And praise God, it goes. Despite ourselves, the gospel goes. It might be hard to believe this, but Pastor Brian and I have had some disagreements in the past. Not over a hot dog cart, but we've had some issues with one another from time to time. You can't do ministry for eight years together without stepping on the other guy's toes once in a while. Believe it or not, everything is not always gumdrops and rainbows in ministry. Just as we saw in our text today, sometimes life sucks. You have a sharp disagreement, you part ways with people, and that's just how it is. It's hard, it hurts, but it happens. There was a season a few years ago where Pastor Brian and I had a Paul and Barnabas sharp disagreement. You can ask Pastor Brian yourself, and he'll tell you it's true. We were actually just reminiscing about it this week. <laughs> I wish I could tell you that our problems arose because we were fighting over which young intern or, or church planter we wanted to take alongside us for the work of ministry, like Paul and Barnabas were. But that wasn't the case. Instead, there was some tension and some division between us that stemmed from my own insecurities and some serious immaturity on my part that led to poor choices and bad decisions. If you were to go back in time and ask one of us during that difficult season what the possibility would be that God would have both of us working in ministry together today, pastoring a church together, I guarantee you that both of us would have responded with, there's no way in Gehenna that's ever going to happen. <laughs> I've been working on my Greek. But what do you know? Much to our surprise and not so much the Lord's, that's exactly what did happen. And praise God it happened. 
left to my own devices or my own sinful nature, I would have no business standing before you, brothers and sisters, as an elder of Redeeming Life Church. However, it is through this ministry of reconciliation that Pastor Brian and I were able to sit down together, talk through our differences. It's in light of the gospel that we were able to process through hurt and the pain that we had caused one another to find healing and restoration, to seek the Lord, and then come together as brothers in Christ and co-heirs of the gospel. Church, I will challenge you again. If there is a rift or a strong disagreement between you and a brother or sister, be reconciled to one another and to God. The gospel goes despite our differences. Will you bow your heads and pray with me? Dear Lord, I thank you so much. Lord, I thank you for this ministry of reconciliation that you've tasked us with. Lord, I thank you that through you, we can find reconciliation. We can find peace. Lord, I thank you for Paul and Barnabas and the example that they've set for us. Lord, I pray that at the end of the day, we would keep our eyes focused on you. Lord, that your Holy Spirit would reign in us, guide us, lead us, direct us. Lord, for those who are sitting here today or listening to this message, they're not followers of Christ. Lord, I pray that they would surrender their life over to you. Lord, they would follow you and serve you. Lord, I pray that Redeeming Life Church would be a church that's been reconciled to one another, that we can link arms hand in hand with one another, to proclaim the gospel, where we work, where we live, everywhere we hang out, Lord, that we would be a place that's known for the gospel. I thank you that the gospel goes despite our differences and that you use us despite our weaknesses. I pray that we would be faithful to be found worthy of this gospel and to serve you, to do what you've called us to do. It's in your holy and precious name, Lord, I pray. Amen. We'd love to have you as our guest. For more information, visit redeeminglifeutah.org.